0: You're listening to Don't Mind the Gap, The Future of Real Estate Investing. My name is Al Khoury, and I will be your host in this podcast series where we will meet world-class real estate professionals and get insights into the tech side of real estate. We will learn how to combine traditional knowledge with new ways to develop real estate and invest in it. In this episode, I'm meeting Gabriel Mercado, founder and CEO of Realize, a real estate data company helping real estate companies take better decisions through more and better data. In short, they're bringing the transparency in the financial market to real estate. Gabriel will describe how the product works, how they grew the company starting at the accelerator PiLabs, how they work with investors including the latest series A round of 3 million pounds. Gabriel will also share his thoughts on what he would do differently if he started Realize again, what type of business he would start if not a data company, and what skills you need as an entrepreneur. Hi, Gabriel, and welcome to the show. Great to meet you. Likewise, can you please tell us about yourself and Realize? Yeah, sure. My name is Gabriel Mercado. I'm the founder and CEO of Realize. Realize is a
1: B2B real estate data company, and we help real estate businesses make smarter and faster investment decisions by bringing together the majority of the the data and the information that they need to make those decisions that really up until this point has been held in many different silos in many different places or desk drawers even. We automate the entire data collection, cleaning and visualization process.
0: Interesting. It's going to be very interesting to hear more about that. But can you please tell us about uh, your background and um, how you came up with the idea?
1: Yeah, sure. So originally I worked in finance. I worked in hedge funds doing quantitative analysis, which is basically trying to use maths and numbers to figure out which way the market's going. And then I didn't want to do that anymore. So I started working at a big property company here called Quintain. And it was, again, doing a lot of financial stuff, but also some interesting little IT projects. And then I worked in another company called H4A and another company called Essential Living. And one thing that really struck me after the first couple of years working in real estate was how there was very little data available compared to what existed in finance. So classic, yeah. in finance, you know, you've got that classic image, right, of the guy who's got six screens and those little lines going yeah. up and down, and that doesn't really exist in real estate. So I had my one screen, I had a stack of papers on my desk and I had a phone. And if I wanted to try and pull together the information to try and make an investment decision about, okay, should we go and build a tower block here or there? Or how much is it worth? Or how long is it going to take to sell or rent these units? All these different complicated questions just took such a long time to get the information. So out of frustration, I started trying to build a thing myself. And then it was really out of the enjoyment and interest of that process that I stuck with it and
0: continued doing it. Mm. Great incentives to start a company. Yeah, Yeah. pretty good. (laughs) Who are your customers today?
1: Sure. So it's a B2B product. So we only deal with with companies. And it's really anyone in the UK or anyone that has an interest in UK residential real estate. So that could be property development companies. That could be investment companies. could be lenders. There's plenty of lenders and and banks now using our our software to determine whether or not they should lend money to a property developer who's also using our software. Any of the larger banks? None of the big ones yet. None of the kind of high street ones, but a lot of the the intermediate level banks who are really they've kind of stepped in, particularly in development finance, where the big banks seem to have pulled back from that market. Not entirely sure why that's happened, but that seems to be working out quite well because the the smaller guys tend to make decisions faster.
0: Mm, of course. And how does the product itself work? Wow, how does it work? Uh, that is a complicated question, actually. <laughs> All right, so if you <laughs> consider me a five-year-old. So, okay, so if you think
1: that you want to make a decision about building a property or buying a property, and I'm talking about a, a corporate level, not as an individual personal level. And to do that, you have to have an investment rationale, an investment, investment theory. So your theory might be, okay, I believe that if I build um, two-bedroom apartments for people of 35 years old, in this area. It'll sell really well because it's X, Y, Z. You need to really prove that your investment thesis is correct. How do you do that? How do you get the information? So you might start trying to find some government statistics. You might try and find some information that is held on some other kind of computer system out there. You might go and do your own manual research. And what we're doing is automating that human process. So anytime we identify a Data set that we want to build into our system. We just follow the exact same steps that a person would go through in discovering the data set, getting hold of the data set, cleaning it, processing it, filtering it, whatever it is that needs to be done to then turn it into something intelligible on the other side. And in that process, is many, many, many tens of thousands of lines of, of code and lots of computers running to automate something that really would probably take a a team of maybe 100 people a month or so to do every day.
0: Mm. And you're focused mainly on the London market? All of the UK. Okay. Yeah, Yeah.
1: Yeah, across the UK.
0: You've gone through SEED and Series A funding rounds. Uh, Can you please take us through your journey from an early startup up to this stage? Yeah, sure. So
1: at the very, very earliest days when I was playing around with a prototype that I'd built The system would take about three and a half minutes to load and I built a website and I put it on there and I put it behind a paywall and you could pay £20 a month and you could access it. And I went to a whole bunch of different meetup groups and things like that, trying to get people engaged with it. I remember one time where I stood up in front of this group when they said, you know, if anyone wants to do speed intros, now's your chance. And I stood up and I described what it was that I was doing. At least I thought I described it. And then someone came up to me afterwards and said, oh, I'm really interested in your accountancy software. Okay, right. (laughs) That clearly didn't work out very well. Then after a little while, managed to get my former boss and a few other people on board with this idea. And they put a little bit of money behind it that was really enough for myself and a software developer to work on it consistently for a year. And we started off doing that. And sort of around that time, I must have sent an email one night to an organization called Pi Labs. Uh, they're a prop tech accelerator and venture capital firm that's really specialized in, in this industry. And at some point they emailed me back and said, hey, we'd love to have a chat. So I went and had a chat with them and met with them a whole bunch of different times and showed them what I was doing and explained the concept. And eventually they said, okay, we'd like you to come and join the accelerator program. So then April, 2016, Totally quit my day job, then went over to PyLab's offices and went down into the basement, as it was then. I think it's now much nicer with a whole bunch of other startup companies and spent three or four months in there refining the idea, building it, talking to investors, potential clients, so on and so forth. Things that wouldn't have necessarily been able to do
0: on my own or wouldn't have known where to start. So really, you know, a really useful focal point. Would you advise people that are starting up new ideas to uh, engage in accelerators or such.
1: Yeah, definitely, yeah. If nothing else, it gives you that feeling of a kind of a validation or some sort of support net that's there, that it's not just completely you on your own. There are some other people at least involved at the beginning, which is definitely helpful. And then if they do a good job, then there's also interesting advice and product development and sales opportunities and investment opportunities that come with it, mm. yeah. So then finish the, the accelerator program, had a product that actually looked okay, worked better, had a client that wanted to pay us a reasonably large amount of money to provide them data. And then off the back of that, did a, a seed investment round for half a million. And that basically involves going and seeing lots and lots and lots of different investors, people that you get introduced to, people that find you, you find them. Which source has been good as a start to find investors? So the guy that led our seed round, really, really nice guy, he's still on the board now. We met at a breakfast that was put on by a PR company that I think was trying to get a whole load of business out of different people and thought if they put us in a room and gave us breakfast that they would get business, and they did, so was yes. successful. So I was sitting next to him, told him what I was up to, he said, wow, that's really great. Are you guys doing an investment round, I said yes. He then went on to lead that round. Mm-hmm. Uh, other investors came from all sorts of places definitely a sales process there because you have to start off with like a hundred and then you work them through to the next stage and then you've got 17 working through to the next stage you've got 20 working through to the next mm-hmm. stage you've got four yeah. and then did that's you have
0: you a, an ahead. organized way of doing that like a crm system or an excel file at least I or you a, just had a spreadsheet uh, yeah
1: yeah with a bunch of names then stage one stage two stage three and i would kind of color these little blocks along and then eventually you sort of see it narrowing down mm. and then in the end you've got a handful of of different companies and individuals there that are willing to back you. Mm. And then you have to go and get a whole bunch of legal documents put together by a lawyer and send it to them. And then they get their lawyers to check it. And then it goes back and forth for a while, which is usually quite frustrating. And then eventually
0: people sign Mm. and then they send money. Mm. How long is the process? Uh, I'm sure it differs depending on who you're talking to and the amount, et cetera. But it's the typical length? Typical length, the very first round
1: I think took like the real right at the beginning one I'm going to say took about two or three months to pull together then the seed round again probably took about four months something like that there's always this issue where over Christmas everyone goes away on holiday Mm -hmm. and that kind of ruins things and then in August everyone goes away on holiday again so that kind of ruins things so basically if you're starting off in June or July you're sort of screwed. Similarly, if you're starting off or getting near finishing in November, December, you're sort of screwed. That can make things take longer. But yeah, I think it's usually about four months or so.
0: Mm. All right. And uh, your latest round, the Series A round, when did you finalize that? So that was pretty much one year to the day. So that was back in
1: November 2018. So that was 3 million led by Anthemis Group. They're a big fintech venture capital firm but they get the, whilst we're not really fintech per se, we're sort of data infrastructure that can sit behind a whole load of other applications. And they kind of get this Bloomberg for real estate angle, which is how we're trying to approach it. Mm, Interesting.
0: What have you learned so far from
1: your journey? Oh, wow. (laughs) Loads. Anything from people management and HR to accounting things, a whole load of law that I didn't know about before. I can now do some very intermediate level SQL, which I couldn't do before. Yeah, it's a massive, massive learning curve, definitely. Is it still steep? It's not as steep as it was, but what's interesting is that the problems that you have early on are different to the problems you have later on, but they're similar in intensity. It's Mm. a little bit strange.
0: It can be something completely different. Would you or your organization like to sponsor this show? Send an email to emeralddomandthegap.com and I'll tell you more. If you start Realize or another business today, how would you do it? Or would you do differently? I think what I would do differently is probably spend a
1: little bit more time on the product development and research side prior To launch it, because I started off building a product that suited my problem set, but my problem set at the time was relatively niche compared to the broader market problem set. And so the product itself has evolved over time into something that can handle anything from property information to land information and planning, et cetera, through this ongoing process of customer feedback and stuff like that. But potentially, if I'd done that right at the beginning,
0: I don't know, it might have been easier. Mm. All right. What distinguishes you from your competitors? You, you mentioned home track when we talked earlier mm-hmm. as one of them. Our brilliant sense of humor. Uh, what distinguishes us? Well, the way we're trying
1: to approach the market is that there should be a single solution for all requirements. So in the same way as you've probably got on your computer, Microsoft Office, and you probably have Word and Excel and PowerPoint, and they're all separate products, but they're all integrated and they talk to each other. So. Home track, as you mentioned, and they're, they're good guys, and we see them every now and then. They have a particular niche that they focus on. There's other companies out there like Land Insight uh, or Landmark Analytics or Datcher or whoever, and they each have their various niches. What we're trying to do in the long run is to try to bring that all together in one place so that business users don't have to have
0: three, four, five, six different systems running. They can just have one. Sounds convenient. I hope so. <laughs> If you start something else, then realize, what would you do? I, I guess you've uh, met a lot of people and uh, seen a lot of business ideas the last years. Well, occasionally I walk down the street and have random ideas about all sorts of
1: things, I suppose, like many people do. I think if I was going to do something else, I'd try and do something that involves some sort of perks, like something involving hotels or music festivals. So, that, you know, you get to go to hotels and music festivals for mm-hmm. free, <laughs> something like that. I
0: don't really know what it is, but... There don't seem to be very many perks in the real estate data sector. Do you have any advice for traditional real estate professionals who are not tech savvy? Hmm. I would say to them to be cautiously optimistic.
1: Obviously, if you went back a few years ago, there wasn't really, prop tech; wasn't a thing really. Like, there were technology companies in property, but it wasn't the new hyped up cool thing that it is now starting to become. So now there's obviously a lot of people doing a lot of different things that can often make consumers on the business side a little bit suspicious or even a little bit kind of bored or frustrated with having to see so many different potential products that they could use. So I suppose, yeah, just remain cautiously open and optimistic
0: to these things. Sense check them, but at least let them in through the
1: door to see what's going
0: on. Mm. What companies uh, are cutting edge in the proptech industry, even though it's a buzzword, as you mentioned, <laughs> according to you, so, one thing
1: that I really think is going to make a difference over the, the coming years is materials technology and the automation of development. If you think about Henry Ford turning the production line of, well, creating the production line of cars, right? Before that, everything was bespoke and built in the same way you look at most buildings today that it's swarms of people on them building this very bespoke thing to architects' designs. I believe and I'm hoping that at some point in the future, some giant crane like machine will roll down the street, park itself next to an empty pot of land and start self-assembling this tower out of some very new and intelligent materials, maybe some graphene based substance. I don't really know. I've seen some different companies doing it. I don't know how many of them are really there yet, but maybe give it another five
0: years and there'll be some cool stuff there. Yeah, I've also seen those YouTube uh, clips. Yeah. <laughs> it was really cool and they are really cool. Especially aren't they? in China, I think there's yeah. a lot of going on. There's um, that
1: company that, you know, knocks up hotels in like 3 days or something. Yeah. Um, or There's the other one that is printing concrete, which mm. is quite cool as well.
0: Yeah. yeah. What skills do you think are important if you want to succeed as an entrepreneur? There's probably a lot of different skills. So certainly being open to learning
1: and taking some form of criticism and then acting on it and seeing if you can improve yourself. And then having a balance between self-belief and doubt. You have to have enough self-belief that you actually go and do a thing and enough self-doubt that you won't just run off a cliff thinking that you're right, uh, which is a tricky balance to strike. Mm. How do you manage it? Uh, I don't, you'd have to ask the guys out there
0: if I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good uh, answer. Interesting. Where would you refer people if they'd like to learn more about uh, real estate trends, tech, digitalization, etc.?
1: Okay. Well, on the, the trend side, we obviously try and keep up with what's going on, particularly in the UK. So people could have a look at our blog, which is realize.com. So R-E-A-L-Y-S-E.com forward slash blog. Other than that, I think that the guys at JLL actually do some quite interesting stuff on their blog. And also there's a magazine which is available in print and digital called The Property Chronicle. And they often have very, very interesting contributors. I will admit I am one of those contributors sometimes. (laughs) But they have very, very interesting people on there writing about all sorts of different subjects.
0: Mm. What final words would you like our listeners to remember from this
1: talk? I think if the listener is a prospective entrepreneur, then I'd come back to this idea of product validation, which can be quite a painful process. I remember seeing once at a pitching event, this might be going off on a little tangent, but I remember seeing a pitching event, this company that was pitching a dating app where you couldn't see the faces of the people and you had to talk to them to then gradually reveal the picture. And the idea was that get away from the superficial idea of, just looking at a picture, get to know the person. And as far as I remember, at that particular event, the you know, the guy's pitch was totally panned, nobody liked it. And then I've seen recently now being advertised on my Instagram, not that my wife's particularly happy that I'll be saying this, but advertisements <laughs> for this dating app. So obviously, you know, this person went through that difficult period of of taking those criticisms and rejections, and learned from it, improved their product and now is in the market selling it. So for how long have you been a member of that?
0: (laughs) (laughs) My secret membership. Uh, London guy 104. (laughs) That's good advice for potential entrepreneurs or current ones. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do you have any advice for real estate professionals?
1: I suppose just keep on doing a good job. Mm -hmm. Try to be open to to new things. You don't have to jump on every new thing that comes along. Mm -hmm. But recognize that if it does add value, it's probably a good idea to incorporate it into your business. Yeah. and Realize it is a good tool for that
0: yeah. yeah we think
1: so the clients that we serve think so so if anyone's interested please reach out to us
0: excellent thank you very much thank you